Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. J.J., today we're talking about trust. Yes. And I interviewed David Horsager. Actually, yep. uh, we talked in Phoenix, Arizona. He sat down with us. He wrote a book called Trust Edge. Uh-huh. And he's got me fairly convinced. I'm just starting to think about this because he's got me thinking about it, that Earning people's trust is the best way to get ahead in life. Yeah. I mean, well, he even argues that it's the best way to build a brand in business. And yeah, yeah, like people have yeah, to trust your brand. It's and the thing that will lose you the most money in business. It's really interesting to me because I actually pressed back during the interview. Like I said, hey, Trump isn't necessarily the most trustworthy guy, but he got to be president, right? And he actually kind of goes into it a little yeah. bit. It's really interesting. But he's getting me convinced that we think about integrity. We think about work ethic. We mm -hmm. think about honesty, but all of those things really come down to, can I or can I not trust this person? Yeah. I have said multiple times when I'm looking for new jobs or kind of looking for transition that there are two things that are really kind of my baseline when I'm looking at a company is, can I trust the people there and do I believe in the mission? And if those two things are true, if I can trust them and I can believe in the mission, I'll sweep floors. Like I'll figure out a way yeah. to kind of grow. Like when I came here- Because there's some trust there. Right now, like I get compensated well, but when we came, when I started- yeah. we you did not actually, compensate you. <laughs> no, and you actually couldn't afford- to compensate me anything. Like when I came on staff. Wait, we gave you we gave you twenty four thousand dollars. <laughs> yes. For, yes. Anything you could buy. That's <laughs> serious Taco Bell money. Well, but what I'm saying is like you were like, we actually don't have a position for you, but we trust you to build something. So come on. And you trusted me. And I was like, I cannot live on this salary, but I trust you. So I'm coming on. And we had to build a lot, like we had but we to were start. honest. We, we said we so, don't yeah. know if this will work. <laughs> yeah, we did. And within two weeks, I go, I don't I don't <laughs> know if two I'm weeks, we realized yeah. you were overpaid. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're stuck. Now we're stuck, now we're stuck forever. <laughs> you can't back yeah, down. <laughs> yeah. But in the beginning, we really did. We had to like go, all right, we don't know where this is going, but we were really honest with each yeah. other and saying, we're going to give this a shot. Here's the expectations. We laid out the ground rules. You made no, this part of that integrity piece with trust. You made no promises that this was going to be. And that's hard to do thing. because yeah. I'm not a huge bad news guy. There's been vendors that I've hired before to do something. And I tend to be an extremely high trust guy mm -hmm. until you prove me wrong. Yeah. To a fault where yeah. people will say, Don, I don't, I don't know. You should verify. And I'm like, no, 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 let's let's find out. Yeah. And then I would say more than half the time people keep my trust. Yeah. And the other half time, I write them off. I mean, you know, I'm talking about vendors. Like we, yeah. we can't honestly trust this person with a fifty thousand dollar contract this yeah, year yeah. or whatever, because they're gonna be late or whatever. Yeah. And I will pay a premium. If I can trust you, yeah. if you get stuff done on time, if it's good work, those kinds of things, I think we've undervalued trust, and I think yeah. David Horsager is on to something. Yeah. And he goes through, in this interview, eight characteristics that build trust, yeah. and they're surprising. Yeah. I liked it so much that after we talked in Phoenix, I, I meet with these guys up on a buddy's porch. We just smoke cigars and drink whiskey. Uh -huh. once a and it's, it's a couple mega church pastors that I can't name now that I said whiskey. <laughs> and, and, you know, Presbyterians, they're okay with mm -hmm. You know, those guys. And I actually brought David in just to speak to that little group. Literally, yeah. we just sat around and smoked cigars and said, okay, what are the eight characteristics to build trust? Because yeah. I, I think it's that important. And I think they'll surprise you. Being clear, saying things with clarity. Of course, we love yeah. that at StoryBrand. Saying things clear, meaning what you say, delivering what you say is a huge part of building trust. Compassion. Yeah. 
character, which, which we would normally think is the root issue is character. The root yeah. issue isn't character. The root issue is trust. Yeah. And a symptom of trust is having character. Competency, commitment, connection. They all happen to be C's. Contribution. <laughs> what are the chances of that? And consistency. Yeah. So he's going to go into all this. And listen, here's what's in it for you. If you've lost trust, here's how to get it back. Yeah. David would actually say it was very interesting that if you've lost trust, an apology is not enough. Yep. You know, think that's really true. And, you know, I, I can't help but, when I listen to this interview, go into sort of what's happening in global politics. Like, do we trust Putin? Do we trust the UN? Do you trust John McCain? Do you trust Donald Trump? Do you trust, you know, what's going on? And for the first time in my life as an American, I, and, and I think this is part of just the media age and the fact that we're reading so much on our phones, I don't trust the news that much anymore. Like, my news feed, I don't actually trust it. You know, there's some business insider I trust, the economists I trust, New York Times I trust, but I also trust them to lean left a little bit. I trust the Washington <laughs> Post a great deal, but I also trust them to lean way left, you know, mm -hmm. so you understand their skewed version. I trust Fox News a little bit, but you know they're going to skew things to the right. It's a weird deal to go, okay, how do we learn to trust these people? And I, I think if you understand how trust works, you can navigate your world a little easier. Yeah. Anyway, bottom line, though, is there's great money for you in trust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's great uh, bottom line money for you. Just if ask you Ryan Lochte how many millions he lost Ryan when he Lochte, lost trust. Ryan Lochte, Tiger Woods, yeah. you know, on and on. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Mm -mm. You know, Bill Clinton lost our trust with the whole Monica Lewinsky thing, and he got it back for a lot of people. Yeah. And there's some things you've got to do to do that. But, you know, this is all about bettering your life. There's great value to be had in listening to what David said. Again, his book is called Trust Edge, and it's available anywhere you buy books. And I don't want to wait any longer. I really just want to get right to it. Here's my interview with David Horsager, and it's all about trust. David, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Well, I love the premise, this idea that trust is costing us, that it's costing us money, it's costing us relationship. But let me hear it from you. Why does trust matter so much? You know, it went back over a decade now before I did my grad research. I started looking at companies and I'm like, the problem they think they're having is not the real problem. It's a trust problem. And, and what that, problems did they think they were having? Because a lot of people probably of, I, think trust isn't the issue. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And by the way... I don't think it's an engagement issue. I don't think it's a leadership issue. I don't think it's a generations issue. I think it's a trust issue. Everything is a trust issue to me, and I'm not arrogantly, but pretty passionately. I believe it's a trust issue. So my it's a root cause. Root cause of everything for me in my grad work started thinking: What is the uniqueness of the greatest leaders and organizations and brands and governments? And it came up to be trust. A lack of trust is the biggest expense you have. I have. Everything of value is built on trust from global governments to every financial institution to every good relationship you have. So, so you're just, not just talking about trust like my employees don't trust me. You're talking about the government. You're talking everything. about people don't trust your company. You're talking about people don't trust your brand. So a few examples just to get people thinking bigger. If you think trust doesn't affect the bottom line, ask Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. Ask PricewaterhouseCoopers. Ask mm -hmm. Wells Fargo. Ask Ryan Lochte. $50 million mistake he made in endorsements by his loss of trust in the Olympics. Ask Tiger Woods. Think of Tiger, one breach of trust, or 27 breaches of trust, and he lost $110 million in two weeks in endorsements. But it doesn't just we, cost but, but, bottom line. Everybody makes mistakes, though. Everybody drives their car into a tree. 
Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt about it. I'm kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> but but everybody does make mistakes. Yes. There we agree. And these guys have all tried to repair that trust, most of them. Most of them have, and certain types are harder to win back than others. But first, we have to think about what trust costs. So the opposite of trust is skepticism or suspicion. So if a team doesn't trust each other, they lose creativity, they lose innovation. If I don't trust you, I put a lock on something. I was a commencement mm, speaker at my university. Yeah. I showed my, my kids my post office box. Only difference today from 26 years ago is it's got a thumb combination lock on it because of a breach of trust. What's the cost? The money for the locks, yes. The real cost is time. Now I've got to use a thumb combination lock on the time. One of the biggest global studies basically found in the last two years, as far as trust is concerned, countries where citizens trust each other more, they have lower poverty and vice versa. Hmm. But think about this. I was just in a country where a, an entrepreneur does not know if they're going to get a license to do business in one month, one year, or ever. And it's costing their GDP because of that lack of trust. So you've got to see trust differently. We've got to look at it bigger. It affects everything more than anything, I think. And, and It's interesting because as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, and people are going to listen to this in about three weeks or four weeks. But right now, this morning, Donald Trump, 36% approval rating. Not the lowest ever. In fact, Barack Obama had 28% at one point. George W. Bush had 25 But it's low. Awfully low. Yes. And the question that I think a lot of people were asking during the campaign, they wanted to vote for him, but could they trust him? Right? Could they just, and, and I think he's eroded an enormous amount of that trust. Now, let's say he calls you and he says, help me out. What do you tell this guy? So... Like anyone we work with, basically the first question from the research looked at what's the single uniqueness? It's trust. What's the biggest cost in life and business? It's a lack of trust. Then we said, well, if it's so important, how do you build it? So that's where we get into how do we build it? These eight traits came out of the research. I call them pillars in the book because I think they hold up this advantage we've come to call the trust edge. So eight pillars. You had to have all eight. By the way, they came out not as a step-by-step -step process, but as co-equals kind of. You could not have this one. You could lose all the trust. Some are more important in certain areas, but it took all eight. So as an example, yeah. clarity. People trust the clear, and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous. Now, that's interesting because that's not an integrity issue. You're getting into just practical strategies we can do to be better To something leaders. you've preached to me about Trump. When, when we talk about that clarity wins, clarity grows your business, clarity makes you money, you're saying clarity builds trust. Builds trust. It, it, you say, I remember you saying, well, look at. This candidate didn't know what they were doing. In 45 minutes in this speech, Trump said two things. I'm going to build a wall. I'm going to make America great. Well, what's America fascinating is the candidate that wasn't communicating clearly did know what they were doing, but nobody trusted them because they weren't being clear. Clarity is the issue. So you have to so, work on that. Well, think about a, a salesperson you trust. They're clear about the benefits. A leader you trust, they're clear about the direction. You don't trust them. If they're not clear about the, a professor, think about our kids. Yeah. Our kids go to school. I'm so frustrated with this teacher. Why? Because I don't know what I'm supposed to do for this assignment. They're unclear. So clear, now, clarity is one piece. It's not everything, but it's one piece. You well, ask it me, strikes me that yeah. maybe clarity is associated with competency. Competency is another pillar. Is so it really? It absolutely is. I'm predicting is. them. You're all coming in. Here we go. So clarity, compassion. And this second pillar has all to do with intent. So I trust you if I believe you care beyond yourself. This is why today attorneys, politicians, some of the lowest trust in our country in the index, we do one of the biggest studies every year. If you'd like the index, you can go to the white paper on the trust outlook. But this is why the most trusted in the world today is mom. Hmm. Because she has an intent, generally, there's crazies on JTN TV, but generally 
she has intent. She'll stay up late with that science project. She'll put salve in that ugly wound. She'll whatever, because she has intent beyond herself. And we trust someone if we believe you have intent beyond yourself. Compassion. And yeah, that's a great definition of it. You have intent beyond yourself. Yes. It's a great way to think about compassion. Okay, number three. Three is character. And I thought this was everything, right? I thought this was critical. Yeah, a lot of people would. It's very important. Integrity, character, but it's not everything, but it's still something. And the character is a cross between a moral character and integrity. Integrity is being the same in thoughts, words, and actions. People could argue that Hitler had a lot of it. But having that combined with a moral character, that was what turned out to be most trusted. So this is the kind of character I'm talking about when I talk about gaining the trust edge. And one just tidbit for this one, we talk about a big process for how do you build character in a company, seven steps. But one uniqueness that might be interesting to your audience is the leaders that had this pillar were defined especially by one thing. They did what needed to be done, when it needed to be done, whether they felt like it or not. Hmm. And this is a change in America. As an, you're talking about this as an attribute of character. It is. Yeah. So parents my age in our 40s shout to our kids, have fun. 40 years ago, they didn't do that. They said, be good or be careful. Mm-hmm. And this idea, even Kelly's research in the last two years found the more you seek pleasure, the less you have. Hmm. So if I like ice cream, I think there's nine scoops right here. I think I'll eat it all. Zero pleasure. I feel worse. He would argue, seek satisfaction, not pleasure. One scoop, no problem. By the way, if you seek pleasure on its own in any area, if you seek it financially, if you seek it uh, physically, if you seek it sexually, you always hurt someone else and usually yourself if you're just seeking pleasure. If you seek satisfaction, it's different. So anyway, those that had this pillar were marked by this idea that they did what needed to be done when they needed to do it, whether they felt like it or not. That was a mark of character. All right, number four. Number four is competency. So this would argue... I can tell Don, I would trust you to take my kid. I especially would trust your wife to take my kids to the ball game. Right. Her character is amazing. I may not trust her to give me a root canal. Right. Because she can't. Yeah, I got She's it, not got competent it. at it. So we have to stay fresh and relevant and capable. This is the one that would argue input leads to output. Every science says it. You've got And this to, is just within your field of expertise. You abs- don't have to, yeah. Exactly. You're not competent at everything, but in the area you want to be trusted. So I trust that surgeon who's doing that surgery 50 times a week, not the one who did it 20 years ago once. Right. You've got to stay. But this is true for entrepreneurs and salespeople and leaders. You've got to keep staying fresh and relevant and capable. Number five is commitment. And this pillar basically showed that we trust those that stick in the face of adversity. So you think of anybody who's left a legacy in history or even in your life, your first grade teacher or whatever. But if you think of a a Mandela or Martin Luther King or Gandhi or Jesus, or you think of someone who many cases they gave their life, but they were trusted because they stuck in the face of adversity. If we believe that about you, we might trust you. People stick with you. It's interesting that, and I don't mean to use Trump as a study here, but you see, you know, within the first five things you've talked about, and I mean this to say this could be your company, this could be you. Some of this commitment, dude's committed. Yeah. I mean, he's going to die on this hill. He's not going to back down. He's not going to apologize for anything. Competency can't seem to get legislation passed, can't seem to unify teams. Character, definitely not there. Compassion, probably not there. Clarity, definitely there. You give mixed reviews to some people? Of course, mixed reviews for a lot of different reasons. So, by the way, back to character. Oh, well, Dave, what about the Kardashians or something like that? They right, make right. all this money. You say that a lack of trust is a big expense. Well, and they sell tons of products. They're you know. absolutely trusted for their character. We trust them not to wear enough clothes, to be idiots, whatever. So we trust them they're for what they They're true to consist. themselves. And you'll find that in the final pillar. I'll tell you why it ties back. So okay, let's go to the next. Before we do that, six. 
number six is connection. And this is really connecting and collaborating. So we trust those that are willing to connect and collaborate. If this is, you know, your kid goes, maybe they're on student council and they ask the gym teacher, I heard the gym's open for two hours a day. Can we do something else there? This other great thing? No, only smelly shorts in here. We can't do that. It's companies too, right? It's organization. This is the only pillar, by the way, you can put the same amount in and get greater results in an organization. So mm. great example in the last few years in America, Chrysler says we're going to make the new high-performance transmissions on our own. In uncharacteristic style, fierce competitors, GM and Ford, put their R&D departments together, build the new transmission together, high-performance transmission together. Same transmission goes in every Ford and GM that takes one. Never been done before. They save $100 million in 90 days or something. And this willingness to connect and collaborate. Releases a better product. Absolutely. And better a, for the consumer, better for the end user. Great book, by the way. The I think it's called The Myth of Genius. I read it last year. But this idea in America that we think it's a one person. Our movies love this. You you love this because you're yeah. a story guy, right? So, But it's almost never one person. You look at who developed the cotton gin. Eli Whitney. No. These 14 slaves invented the cotton gin. Hmm. And this woman really did it. And we talk, oh, who invented the light bulb? The only reason we have a light bulb that screws in is because the lab tech janitor is watching this happen and these 10 other people, but you can only have one person on a patent. I was just last week at the hockey game with Wozniak. So mm -hmm. Steve Wozniak loves to go to hockey games. And FYI, he has a different perspective on Apple than <laughs> Steve yeah, Jobs. Yeah, sure, yeah. So, but if I was going to ask one of my audiences, who invented the iPhone? the audience would shout Steve Jobs. Right. And yet, even on the only first part of the first iPhone, 2,000 engineers with 2,000 different patents, and Steve Jobs was not one of them. It was a collective community, and we need each other. And if we're going to not just build trust, but be successful in the new economy, we've got to look at this pillar differently. I'll be back with the rest of my interview with David Horsager in just a moment. Well, it's one of the favorite segments on the Building a Story Brand podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Kula Callahan with Marketing Mythbusters. Hi, Kula. Hello. You're doing the uh, Wonder Woman pose again? Absolutely. Made for television. We, we, gotta, <laughs> we just have to film this. People have to see this. You are definitely Wonder Woman because we are starting to get emails from people saying they are so grateful this for marketing. This is incredible. <laughs> I love the fans. And it's totally, you're public. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is, <laughs> what is today's marketing myth? Today's marketing myth is this. As the guide of your brand's story, you shouldn't talk about yourself. Okay, we got to back up a little bit. If you've not been through the story brand workshop or the online workshop or read the book, you don't know that we say never position yourself as the hero in the story, only as the guide. The story is really about your customer. And I know what you're getting at. A lot of people come to us and say, I know we're not supposed to talk about ourselves, but... Right. And actually, so as the guide in your customer's story, you can talk about yourself as long as it is in the realm of empathy or authority. That's right. So telling your story isn't going to help you. Correct. But saying that you care about your customer and you are competent to solve their problem, exactly. you can say that all day long. Right. So you want to resonate with your customer's problems, understand what they're feeling and what they're challenged with. Yeah. And then you also want to give them a reason to trust you as the guide. So you can talk about yourself a lot, but as long as it relates to your customer's problems and why you are the competent guide who can help solve them for them. Yeah, I've got an example of this. Tell me whether or not you agree. Dave Ramsey. Mm -hmm. So if you really listen to Dave, I mean, he, you know, his picture's on the cover of the book, he's on billboards, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. But if you actually listen to him, he rarely talks about 
himself. I mean, he might share, you know, I went to the football game or whatever. Right. But he didn't really talk about himself that much, except for in two categories. And it's his backstory. It's, right. you know, I went bankrupt because I didn't have sound financial principles. I read some stuff in the Bible and I got smart and yeah. I actually have sound financial principles. Now I'm doing fine and thousands of people are doing fine because they've learned these financial principles. I can teach them to you too. Well, a lot of people would say that's Dave's story. That's not Dave's story. Right. That's empathy and authority. And that's why he is the one you should trust to get you out of that same problem. So he's appearing that he is like his customers, right? He's been there before. And then he's also showing that he's gotten out of it and he's inviting them into that transformation that he himself experienced. So if you want to tell your story, you can kind of do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. And and you can do it all day. You can talk about yourself all day long and nobody will think that you're the hero as long as you are doing two things, expressing empathy and competency that you can solve your customers' problems. It's the only part of your story that matters. That's exactly right. That's a good myth to bust. Thanks. We sort of busted it twice because we're like, hey, you're not the hero. And then we came back and said, hey, doesn't mean you can't talk (laughs) about yourself. Two for one. Two for one. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) You can write to Kula Callahan at (laughs) One Kryptonite Plaza. I don't know where Wonder Woman lives. Probably not Kryptonite Plaza. (laughs) Anyway, thanks so much, Kula. Absolutely. Listen, if you want more great marketing advice, come to a live marketing workshop. StoryBrand does workshops almost every month, and we've got one coming up in Portland, Oregon. If it is hot where you are, if it is humid where you are, come to Portland because it's perfect. We're doing our first workshop out of Nashville in Portland, Oregon. It's August 13th, 14th, and 15th, and we'd love to see you there. Get away for a couple days, clarify your message, leave with a marketing plan that will work. You'll get an enormous return on your investment and you'll make money enjoying all that beautiful weather. Come join us in Portland, Oregon. You can find out more at storybrand.com. All right, seven. About here, they'll say, oh, right, you're a real researcher, Dave, and they're all Cs. Is that, could it really come up? (laughs) I didn't even notice that. And let me just say this. (laughs) The truth is, so far, they were all Cs. This pillar came out to be Results, four words came out in the original research. Right. Results, performance, outcomes, or contribution. The public contribution to keep the C's. Exactly. The publisher pushed me on it, but I'm I'm actually... Well, well, can I just say, you're committed to that. (laughs) Well, here's the deal. I'm actually glad we used that because I think it's more comprehensive of the full research. And the bottom line is, you have to contribute results if I'm going to trust you. You could be so sweet and compassionate. You could be high character in a way... But if you're my surgeon and you cut off the wrong leg, we got a problem. Yeah. you got to contribute the results I expected or asked for. There has to be results. There has to be. It ha- has to work. But we know sales teams, for instance, that we worked with, they contribute a lot of results for time. They didn't have some of the other pillars, and they lost everything. You do have to have all eight. All right. Eighth. The final pillar, and we call it the king of the pillars, and it's consistency. Whatever you do consistently, we trust. If you're late all the time, I trust you to be late. If you're for good or bad, this is why we trust McDonald's. We might not like McDonald's, but I've had the same burger on six continents. Their sameness. This is why we can't stand moody people. Hmm. What are you going to be like today? Happy, sad, mad, crabby? I'd rather work in an angry curmudgeon every day than a moody person because I can't manage this craziness. I've got to have sameness. This is why at a company or a bank or let's think about a bank. Okay, the teller's really sweet. Oh, the loan officer wasn't. Oh, the web interface is great, but the material looks terrible. They lost. Because every interaction, you increase or decrease trust with someone. And the only way to build a reputation as an individual, the only way to build a brand as a company, is consistency. It's got to be same every time, everywhere. And every time you lose sameness, you lose 
trust. Let me ask you this. This question is about our corporations, our businesses, and our personal lives. As you list these, here's the eight. Clarity, compassion, character, competency, commitment, connection, contribution, and consistency. These are hard to do. No doubt. You're not going to do this perfectly. Nope. Where does Toyota coming in and releasing an ad campaign saying, we screwed up, but we are committed to excellence and your safety, but we did screw up. Because when I think about the people that I trust, this is only part of it. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is when they sit down and say, you know, I was a real jerk. And when they don't do that, I don't care about any of this. I don't trust them and will never trust them again. So there's a way to rebuild what you're talking about with Toyota or BP or Volkswagen. And people. Or Tiger Woods or whatever is how do I rebuild trust? And let me tell you, gotcha. trust is not rebuilt in the apology. So you might like them again. You might be open again. It might take a sincere apology. A friend of mine from the Netherlands, CEO, came over to America. I said, what do you know is different in America? He said, Dave, you want to know the truth? I said, of course. He said, you've got a bunch of lying apologizers in America. They all say they're sorry and they don't mean it. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry I'm late. No, you're not. You're late every time. I'm sorry I didn't get that done. No, you never get that done. So So you have to go back to this to rebuild. You do, but let me tell you, while we have a 15-step process to rebuild trust, if you're Toyota or Volkswagen or BP or a big problem person, Tiger Woods, but it starts and ends here. The only way to rebuild trust is to make and keep a commitment. If I have the chance to rebuild trust, the only way, it might start with an apology just to open them up, but the trust isn't rebuilt yet until I make and keep a new commitment. Is there ever a strategic reason to break trust? Well, give me an example and I'll think about it. But Well, I can't give you an example that I, I think worked, but I can give you an example of very powerful people who do it all the time. In fact, I was just on a plane. Yeah. Uh, very powerful former government executive happened to be on the flight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. you know, what I, mean. I mean, high level. Yeah. And we talked for a second. I'd read one of his books. Somebody else walked by and said, hey, when we get off the flight, can I get a picture with you? He said, yes. And he and I got off the flight mm-hmm. kind of at the same time. And I watched him because I wondered, is he going to follow through and actually wait for this guy to come off this plane while all these people are coming by wanting to talk to this person too? And the person who was there to pick him up was there, and he kind of turned and looked to see if that guy was there, and the guy wasn't, and he turned and he walked off. Yeah. That guy got very powerful doing that stuff. I mean, no, here's why, no, no, here's no why, I, here's I don't think I so. Asked, I don't here's agree. Here's why I asked. He didn't get powerful doing that stuff. But wouldn't doing that, every time somebody asks that, well, I mean, what do you, you say, well, I'm no, not going to have my picture taken with you. I'm, walk me through the practical. So here's, here's what's what happening. I would say. Here's I'll what I'm what trying would, to defend. Yeah. You got a bunch of listeners going, I'm never going to be able to do this. Okay, first of all, how do you do it? You can easily do this. In my opinion, you don't say that you're going to guarantee. Yeah, Yeah, you say, hey, I can't promise that, but I'll see. That's a really good tip. That's what I'd say. So for you, look at when we were first getting to know each other, you said to me in a call, and I called you, and you were getting an Uber, but you said, hey, can I call you another time? You made no commitment of another time. So whether you call me or not, I don't lose trust in it because you didn't make a commitment of if I do or don't, right? Right. But if you would have said, I'll call you right back, I'll call you when I land, and, and not... didn't call you. I would think differently of you, right? I would think so, and I of would course. think differently of anybody who did that too. Right. So your greatest opportunity to build trust, greatest opportunity is when there's the highest challenge. When was George Bush the highest rated? 9-11. Yeah. Because people are looking for leaders and salespeople and parents and friends how will you act when it's difficult? And you have the opportunity that, frankly, that little flight situation, 
That's difficult because we don't like saying no. We like pleasing people. It's easier to deal with that in the moment and you don't have, it's faceless. Later, when you leave, you didn't have to deal with their face of sadness or whatever. You made it easier right then, but that was a, in my opinion, terrible way to deal with that instead of saying, honestly, no, I don't know if I can. Walk me through this, David, because this is fascinating. I think we're getting somewhere that's really practical. You are sought after. I mean, you're the guy when things fall out, they're coming to see you. You must get a request a week, certainly, and maybe a request a day on, I found pot in my kid's drawer. You know, stuff that is not in your, you're like, we're trying to be like. This is the hardest thing for me, by the way. Okay, yeah. How do you deal with that? Well, the other thing that I get that's like you get is I had a lot of people help me in my life, so I hate to say no to people, and yet I get requests. I helped you in 1989. (laughs) No, or I get like you get. How do I speak more? Oh, right, yeah, How yeah. do I write more books? How do I get a bestseller? So that's not outside well, you look of at my, my book for me. Exactly. Yeah. And so reading a proposal, all this stuff. So that's hard for me because I had people help me, but I cannot say yes to all those. And I'm not saying I'm overly important or whatever, but I have a challenge with saying no to some of those things. And yet we've tried to develop a process in our organization for how we say no in a trusted way. And can you give me do well, that? One example is what I said before. Anne will often write back on my behalf, and she has access to all my email and writes back on my behalf all the time. And she'll say, Dave, he's traveling enormously right now, and he's absolutely focused on some key priorities he committed to. So I can't make any promises about this now, but I know he appreciates that you cared. You know what's interesting is I actually sent a friend who, uh, well, Mike Hyatt, I'll just say it, because it was such a great thing. I sent Mike an email you know, Mike and I have had dinner a million times. Yeah. He's just a great guy. And I sent him an email saying... He has saying, a page for this stuff. Yeah, yeah, He has yeah, a yeah. page. Go to this page. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, actually, I need to go there and yeah. just download this. But I, I sent him a, hey, would you like to meet such and such person? They want to meet you. This is one of the most connected people I know. Michael had certainly heard of him. And a few days later, I get like a very long, thoughtful email basically saying no. Yeah. And here's why. You know, my bandwidth is full and blah, blah, blah. And he has that email down, me, by the I, way. I, I found both... <laughs> This sense of like, but I really want you to meet him, Michael, along with, wow, I really respect that. Can you teach me to do that? There's ways to mitigate the damage because bottom line is really nobody's ever emailed me and said, hey, can you endorse my book or will you write the forward to which I've emailed back saying, hey, I've just made this commitment. I'm not doing that anymore Mm. because I can't read all these books, so I can't endorse them honestly. And I really never had anybody go, Oh, thank you so much. That was really, you know, it's mostly it's hard, like by they the just way. don't email or yeah. they don't reward you for being honest. But, but do they respect you more? Is, I don't know. They trust you more. I don't know. I think they trust you. I would say it's higher to be trust than liked. Usually when you're trusted, you're also liked. I mean, I've got a good friend. I like him a lot. I wouldn't go into a business with him in a million years because I don't trust him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know. There's that. Before we leave, though, I want to dive deep into one of these things. Because yeah, you're known for being the guy who gives real strategic tips on executing this stuff. Can you give us a little taste? So if someone how said, do I do this? If someone said, how do I do this? Where do I start? Yeah. You can start any on any of the pillars. But if you don't know where to start, we'd start with clarity because we know they all affect each other. You could say, I have a commitment problem. We might say it's a commitment problem. We might say it's a compassion problem that's leading to a commitment problem. By the way, before I get into this, I got to say that they all relate and we believe, hopefully not arrogantly, but quite passionately, these eight, you can solve every organizational and leadership challenge against these eight. These are the problems that it is. Hmm. So people say, well, what about communication? Is it never a communication problem? No, it's never a communication problem. Clear communication is trusted. Unclear is not. Compassionate is. 
Uncompassion isn't. High character communication is trusted. Low character isn't. These are the eight things that affect every part of leadership or organizations, we believe. And we've solved in pro sports teams. We've solved in global governments. We've solved in U.S. And so if I don't know where to start, I'm going to bring them to clarity because it's hard to have people following you if you don't have clarity. It's hard to have consistent character if we don't have clarity. It's hard to have consistency in any area if I don't have clarity. So I bring them to clarity if I don't know where to start. So in this short time left, and there's so many areas of clarity, alignment and strategic and communication. We talk about all these. I talk about clarity for a whole day yeah. often. And I'm so. going to tell you where to read that in a minute, but go Fine. ahead. Keep going. I'll give you four key words to clarity, to being clear about anything. The first word is why. Now, there's plenty out there on the why today. Simon Sinek, Simon Sinek a million others, stuff, yeah. right? Why. And I agree. The why is important. It's not the key word to clarity, though. It's important because if you don't have a strong enough why, you won't last for 10 days. I remember I was invited to some of your listeners, younger ones won't even know who Larry King is today, but at the yeah, time, yeah. he was the most known journalist in the world. He was inside of journalism, known to have the greatest attribute of the journalist, which is the ability to ask great questions. So at then, I'm, I'm relatively unknown. I'm in his living room in Beverly Hills, and there's these other thought leaders and authors, and I'm thinking, what am I going to ask the greatest question asker in the world? Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like, what do I do? And the guy next to me, says, Larry, what's your favorite question to ask? I'm thinking, why didn't I you know, think of that? <laughs> and Larry turns back to him, and he's just brilliant and sharp and quick and witty. And, and Larry goes, why? And he doesn't say anything for a while. And then he says, why is my favorite question? Because why motivates, why unifies? And he shows an interview with the oh. president. At the, uh, with a, he's interviewed everybody, but a president at the time. And he said, this was supposed to be on CNN for 30 minutes. They left it on for two hours. They're watching the ongoing Nielsen ratings. People are hanging on every word. And he said, watch what I do. And if you watch what Larry does in that interview, all he does is say, why? Why did you do that, Mr. President? Oh, then why did you do that? Oh, so why did you do that? All he does, any of us could have done wow. it. That's all he does. I'm not a journalist. Why is critical, but it is not the core question of clarity for a strategic, a business builder or a strategic person, I don't think. It's critical, not most important. The second question is how am I going to get there? The third question is, how am I going to get there? And the final question is, how am I going to get there? And I'm telling you, people have to think about this differently. We call it the how, how, how process. You have to ask how at least three times. It might take seven, but people don't ask how enough. Therefore, they don't have clarity. Therefore, they don't have hope. Therefore, they don't move the needle. Two quick examples. First of all, an overall example. People say to me, Dave, we need to change our culture. Okay, how are you going to do that? Be nice. Okay, how are you going to do that? appreciate people more. And people will end a meeting right there thinking they're, oh yeah, we're just going to appreciate people more. They're going to do nothing. I don't trust them for a second. Where this really turned on a decade ago, I was working with one of the biggest healthcare organizations in North America. They'd had the biggest consultants in in healthcare. They'd had Disney and they said, Dave, we've had all these people in. We haven't done anything differently. We've got to do something differently. First half of the day, we go through the eight pillar framework, teach it. By the way, we're at a private location. It's the top 150 executives of the second biggest healthcare organization in North America. They're losing HCAP funding. They're losing patients. He said, Dave, we got to do something different. First half of the day, we work on this. Second half of the day, we got to solve things. I said, okay, every table picks what's the key thing you want to solve. And so this table to my right, big wigs at the table, letters behind their name, MD, CEO, ADD, all that. What's your pillar? They said clarity. Team leaders stood up, said clarity. Okay, said how are you going to be more clear? Sat down, talked to his team, stood up in front of everybody for accountability, and I kid you not, in front of that most brilliant people in the whole organization, stands up and says, we're going to communicate more. 
I said, how? He sat down. He talked to his team. Yeah. When he was ready for accountability, he stood yeah. up and said, we're going to hold each other accountable. After I threw up in my mouth, yeah. I said, how? How, how, how? Finally, it took seven hows. They finally got to something they're going to do differently today or tomorrow. How, how, how? You're getting to practical, like you need to meet once a week and you need to keep a whiteboard. You need to, what, what are you getting no, to with that? I'm getting to anytime you do anything, you've got to ask how until you're so clear you're going to do something today or tomorrow. And people mm. will argue with me and think, I'm not going to, you can't do that at P&G or some huge company. They always can. Always, always, always. By the way, I mostly, you can go how laterally and deeply, and I'm talking about deep. This is the one where people have problems. Yeah. So laterally, you could say, how am I going to lose weight? I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat less. I'm going to do this, this, this. Those are all a bunch of things. But you're not to a final how on any of those things. So as another example, maybe not in your audience, but I lost 52 pounds in five and a half months. It's not a healthcare idea. I'm, by the way, I'm not a healthcare expert, but I'll give you one idea under this because this will drive it home. I said to a doctor came up to me when I was looking for ideas. I'd asked all kinds of people ideas and all this right. said is eat less, exercise more. That wasn't clear enough. You know, I, I, I ate less than I ate on Christmas. Is that okay? I mean, it wasn't right. clear, right? So I said, I need specific hows I can do today or tomorrow. This doctor came up to me after an event and said, here's one idea. Most men in America, if they wouldn't drink their calories, they could eat exactly the same and they'd lose 30 to 50 pounds in a year. My jaw dropped. I started to think about it. This isn't for everybody. You like barley too much. It's not for you. But for me, I'm not a legalist about it, but I've never loved alcohol that much. Yeah. I think I can go without that. For I'm going to try this for a time. I started thinking about it. Pop, I didn't have pop, except for I didn't grow up getting to have pop. So on an airplane today, because I grew up in a very poor environment, yeah. that steward or stewardess says I can have my very own can. I go back to childhood. I got to have a can. <laughs> my own right. can. That's I'm going to have one. I don't have to share with all six siblings. We all sip out of it. No, That's I'm right. going to do it. So I made one change. Instead of a Coke, with uh, you know, two of them is a meal, Fresca on Delta. That's the zero calorie option, or Diet Coke is zero calories. The point is, I can look at it. Oh, no calories in that. I can drink it. Juice isn't you know. I haven't had juice for seven years. But anyway, the point is, this idea is: Can I look at it and how say, How am I going to do? How am I not going to drink a calorie? Okay, how am I going to do that? I'm not going to do this. How am I going to do that? I'm not going to do this. So how am I going to exercise? How am I going to? How am I going to? You've got to get to the how, 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 how until somebody's going to do something differently today or tomorrow. And the final how, by the way, always includes the who, when, and where, if needed. In some cases, you know, it's you, it's there, it's there. But if you say to me, I'm going to exercise more. If you don't know tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, you're going to do this. If you have an option of going to the gym or running, you'll do neither. It's got to be so clear. How am I going to do that? Yep, I'm not going to drink a calorie. No calories in that. I can drink it. So I go into that in a lot more detail, but the point is don't keep having meetings where people don't ask how till somebody's going to do something That's fantastic. I mean, just applying that in our meetings, well, just applying that in your head <laughs> to anything. How are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Until it gets to – because really what you're saying is this thing has to get to action. Yeah. And by the way, you, you don't solve everything. Thought. Don't be overwhelmed because someone will say, well, I can't do everything or I can't solve this. whole. You can always do something. So it might be – Okay, we got to change this big initiative. Your how might be, okay, I'm going to call the president. I'm going to set a meeting with the president by Friday. I can do that. I'm not going to do everything, but I'm going to get something. And that we see companies all the time. Their whole culture changes when they use the how, how, how process. Save time, increase output, buy-in, everything. David, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Incredibly enjoyable and very practical. 
All right, if you want to know more, it's all spelled out in David's book called Trust Edge. Just go to Amazon or wherever you buy books. Look up David Horsager and buy Trust Edge. It's all there. Where can people find out about your work? TrustEdge.com. TrustEdge.com. And you'll notice that Donald Miller <laughs> has influenced our website changes. <laughs> well, good. And your business has quadrupled. It has. That is not. We have to be trustworthy. <laughs> it is not. But it's, it's doing good. Yeah. David, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that was great. Love him. You don't even think about this. But one of the reasons I love walking through the office doors, I trust everybody in the room. Yep. And we're not perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we all make mistakes, you know, and these kinds of things. But I trust you to make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and know, to own up to them. I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, and I just think we've built a great culture of trust. And when I think about the people that I've let go, well, not all of them are about trust. Some of them just weren't a fit. They're actually quite talented and trustworthy. But I, I remember one guy, and it was just like, it all comes down to I just don't trust you. I don't trust that. What you're saying is true. I don't trust it. It's huge. I mean, it's really huge. Well, next week, we have a fantastic episode of the Building Story Brand podcast. Last year, at the end of the year, we did a best of, and it was one of the most popular podcasts we've ever done. And we've done so many great interviews this year that we're actually going to do a best of 2017 halfway through the year. Because there's no way <laughs> yeah. at the end of the year, it's going to be a three-hour podcast. Yeah. Right? And so we were actually going to feature some stuff from John Lowry. He's vice president of development at Lipscomb, but he talks about how to negotiate. Mm -hmm. What I learned on that podcast got me a lawnmower half price and <laughs> I mean hundreds of thousands of dollars off on a piece of land that I yeah. bought by using a technique that he taught me. Alan Heinberg, who wrote, you know Wonder Woman? Have you seen Wonder uh -huh. Woman yet? Yep. I, I haven't seen it, but Betsy loved it. So good. Alan Heinberg wrote Wonder Woman. <laughs> he wrote the movie Wonder Woman that everybody's raving about and he talks about story and business and story and marketing. It's a fantastic take on that. Greg McEwen is the author of Essentialism He's the guy who says, you've got too much stuff on your plate. You need to pare it down. That's going to be inspirational for you, especially if you're just too busy. Juliet Funt, likewise, talks about creating white space. Mm -hmm. She says, if you don't have time to think, daydream, rest, you're losing money. Yeah. And just you recapping these gets me so excited because I, I remember know. things that I got from each one of them. Yeah. Don Schneider created six of the top ten Super Bowl commercials <laughs> of all time. He's a true artist. Yeah. He's probably... Without you knowing it, he's cost you fifty grand in <laughs> Pepsi and <laughs> those products else, yeah. that you've bought because somehow he got into your subconscious. That's the best of, and that's next week. You don't want to miss that. If you want to catch up on the previous podcast that you've missed, next week is a great way to do it. So make sure you download that podcast. JJ, it's been great spending time with you as always. As always. I trust you. Let's do the fall off the desk. I'll catch you. <laughs> do you trust me to catch you? No. <laughs> I not, will not catch you. But that's that is, still trust. We're building trust. I, I will not catch you. That I you will tell you that right now. You that will That goes without saying. <laughs> music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks as always for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse... You'll lose, noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to earn trust. <laughs> <laughs>